0: Uh, Luke chapter 12, beginning uh, in verse 15, as Jesus is speaking uh, to the crowds in response to a particular um, interjection by by a man who uh, who had come in. Hear the word of God. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Grass withers, ah, the flower fades, ah, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This parable that Jesus tells is a bit unsettling to us. As we hear it, as we read it and place ourselves within it, it's somewhat disturbing to hear a story of someone who uh, seems to be doing so well and then not. Uh, And it may be given as a general parable in the one sense, uh, but there are too many specific parallels in lives uh, around us. Uh, for us to just put it as something in the abstract. We hear uh, the good life this man seemed to be living, and then it feels like it's just snatched away. But even even in this brief parable, I think as we read it and engage ourselves in it, it exposes something for us. It exposes that life uh, has to mean something more. A life as we long for it uh, has to mean something more. Uh, much more than just the disappointment that comes uh, from uh, riches and then death and being snatched away. And Jesus frames the story uh, for us. He draws out and wants to make clear for us the point of it, the warning uh, of it. Uh, with these words just a little bit before and a little bit after, he warns us to be on guard. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance uh, of, his, of his possessions. And again, afterwards, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's telling us what life is. Uh, He's showing us what life is not uh, because it's something more than that. Um, (coughs) Life doesn't consist in the abundance of (coughs) possessions. There's more to life that we see uh, in Christ. So so what is is life? What is uh, the good life? Or in what does life uh, consist? Jesus gives us a story as a warning. He says, uh, be careful, pay attention, guard yourselves, watch out. Uh, Be careful not to be like the man that he tells us about in the story. We don't want to make the same mistake. But you read it and it can feel like, well, what escape is there? I mean, yes, we would say money isn't everything. You shouldn't live for just money uh, and possessions. But, but still, when, when death just comes suddenly uh, in the night, what, what escape is there? Uh, what hope? Jesus focuses the warning uh, for us uh, as being a warning to guard yourself against what? Uh, against all covetousness word we use often, uh, but covetousness, all, all greed, but it particularly speaks to the desires, all the desires uh, to have more and more for ourselves. That's what we're to watch out for. Um, you can see it in, in the 10th commandment of the law, you shall not covet is how it begins, uh, and that's one that helps us look beyond just the externals of behavior. It's beyond how much money he had or what he he did with it. It goes in uh, to uh, the desires, the inward desires of the heart. When we speak of uh, coveting or greed or these desires. Maybe if that's not enough for us as well, we get this uh, passing comment in Colossians chapter 3. In verse 5, he's talking about various different evil desires and speaks of covetousness. And he says this, a covetousness which is idolatry. He takes these uh, desires for more for ourselves and says, what's in that? What's behind it? What's the heart doing? Uh, we're taking those things and saying, this is what completes our life. This is going to be, getting these things is going to be what gives me the satisfaction, the happiness, the hope, the security uh, that I need. Draws out the heart. Covetousness is idolatry. Uh, looking, looking to gain life from something. Looking to gain life from many things or even particular experiences uh, is is a letdown, uh, the passage is exposing. Uh, Wanting wanting to have a lot and wanting to have more. Jesus is saying is the very thing uh, that we need to guard against to avoid the danger of this parable. But we do that because we think there's life uh, in it. So as we consider this, just ask yourselves the question, uh, what's your view of the good life? That's what Jesus is getting into here. Uh, what I'm getting into. What's, what's your view of the good life? What do, you, what do you want? What do you long for, plan for? What do you hope for in your future? Uh, what do you want more of? How do you get the good life? Uh, how do you hold on to it uh, when it seems uh, good? As Jesus says, life doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff. So, so we'll look first at a uh, plentiful life. Uh, the parable begins with a description of plentiful life in verse 16. Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced uh, plentifully. That's where it starts. That's this man who's already rich, uh, and he's about to be richer uh, because his main source of income in the big business uh, is agriculture, and he has a bumper crop that's going to make a lot of money. It's about to be richer. There's a common view that the, that the rich of the time, and I think oftentimes in our day, that the rich are those who are favored by God. Or can, you get something great and you put the little, I said it before that, the hashtag blessed. Um, is, is the rich person, are they, does that mean they're good because they have these things? There's tons of holes uh, that you can put in that, which are, which are good to see. There's plenty of counterexamples of people who have tons of money that aren't necessarily uh, the ones you want to emulate. And everything but still when when things are difficult what do we do when our life is hard we, we wonder if god's against us uh, we wonder if there's some reason uh, that he's not on our side that he's holding out that he's making these things uh, happen uh, to us against us or when things are going well um, when we're getting the things that we want and life feels uh, right uh, to us we, we expect that everything's fine. We expect that God's good with us. We expect that we're okay. We expect that things are fine because we're getting things that we want. Um, I love the language. When you have a short parable like this, you see the particular way, uh, the, the details of it, of how Jesus presents it. Because uh, the parable, I think, very helpfully shows that the credit doesn't belong to the man. Um, he's not even the subject uh, of the sentence, uh, he simply happens to be the owner. Of some land. And the land produced plentifully, abundantly. He, he just happened to have the, the deed to it, happened to uh, belong to him. Uh, you look at other scripture, and uh, clearly it would, it would constantly uh, say uh, that it's God who gives uh, the increase uh, to it. He may have done uh, tons of work, but it is God that gives the increase and the the credit doesn't go to the man. Uh, The plentiful experience of life actually comes uh, from God himself, uh, even in the story. Now, maybe we wouldn't consider ourselves uh, rich, um, and neither would many of the people that Jesus was speaking to. There's this one man who's come up, and he's he's asked about this this inheritance that he and his brother are disputing over. He's probably the younger brother, and uh, they're the heirs, and he's wanting to have a portion of it. Maybe the oldest brother's claiming all of it uh, for himself. Uh, But the crowd that Jesus is speaking to uh, doesn't seem to have the same, or at least plenty of them don't seem to have the same uh, level of wealth because he goes on to speak to them about uh, the basic needs of survival, Uh, food and clothing and shelter. Um, so he's not speaking to people just who are, who are rich. Uh, at the same time, I've heard the statistics, I think, as Americans, we need to remind ourselves of that if, if you have, I think it's if you have a roof over your head, uh, clothes on your back, uh, and food for the present day, uh, that you're richer than I think it's 80% of the world's population. Uh, and certainly, if you look through history, it's true as well. Um, or if you're a student at FSU, um man i feel rested rich the budget may be tight Uh, the student debt may be piling up but you have access to so much wealth Uh, i mean i know you have to have enough spirit points to be able to get a ticket to the game Uh, but you get to go to the game just by like filling out a form and it says zero when you click the print at home uh you know ticket uh you don't even have to pay for that you've got uh rooms like this you can come to a stadium like this you've got uh computer labs all over the place, pick your dorm or public area where you want to watch uh, something on a, on a big screen TV or go to the SLC uh, movie theater and watch X-Men tonight at 1015 uh, for free. Just show them your card and you just get to go in and do it. Um, uh, food that's cooked, uh, gyms that you can go to, uh, concerts all over the place. And You, you may be a really hard worker. Uh, this puts you being able to, to be here partially, but still, uh, none of us can claim full credit for what we have. Uh, if you've been born at a different time, or to a different family, or a different part of the world, uh, none of this might have been possible. But it's important to go just beyond money or wealth or where we are in, in relation to it, since Jesus says, a covetousness, and not just covetousness or greed of these desires, but all covetousness. All right, so the 10th commandment, when it talks about it, shall not covet, mentions a neighbor, um, and, and house, your neighbor's wife, uh, your neighbor's car. It says donkey, but, you know, it's a general idea. Um, uh, anything that's your neighbor's. Sometimes for us, that's, uh, that's reputation that someone else has, uh, that we long for, that we long for more of and more approval uh, from others. Uh, Sometimes that's job or success. Sometimes that's good looks. Uh, sometimes it's the great body that we want for ourselves, the great body that we want to uh, be with. Sometimes it's a sense of humor. Uh, sometimes it's intelligence. Um, and, and y'all experience this even more than me, but, uh, man, the Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it just, the social media just kind of fuels that, right? Uh, it fuels this, com- this comparison and these desires and fuels this insecurity of, is what we have enough? And seeing these things that other people have, and it fuels this desire for more. And a lot of the time it feels like when we're not uh, you know, scrolling through Facebook being envious that someone else seems to have the good life, uh, it's because we're posting something on Facebook to try to make others think that we have the good life, right? Here's this clever statement. Here's this great picture. Uh, here's these things that are happening uh, well for me. Uh, in, in whatever story, in whatever sense, though, I just want you to notice that the story begins enjoying the things uh, in this life, enjoying good things in this life. It's okay to have, okay to enjoy, okay even to have a lot. But the question is, um, how does that affect us? What do we want to do with it? Uh, where does it lead our heart? Because the very question that this man asked when he is, uh, seemed somewhat surprised by it, how abundant uh, the crop is, he thought to himself, what shall I do? If, if there's good things happening to me, this is the way I want my life to go. This much riches, these prosperities, these things that I get to enjoy. Finally, people are liking me. People are putting these opportunities are in front of me. These doors are opening up for me. If all this is happening now the way that I want, what do I do with it? How do I hold on to it? From plentiful life, as soon as you experience that, uh, the tendency is to want uh, to store it up. Our response uh, to plenty is normally to want to hold on to it, to store it up. When we have something good, how we want to hold it and never let it go. Um, and the danger is that we start to depend on it. We start to live by it, uh, take our, our life uh, from it and dependence on it. Um, like I don't know if there's any episodes of uh, the show Hoarders that are particularly for farmers, right? Or like, what I don't think there's one about what this farmer did with their uh, with their ho- with their uh, with their crop, because uh, most usually you go into people's houses and it's piled wall to wall with boxes and stuff, and that they're just not willing to let go of. And you watch it, it's painful because it shows deeper into the heart some of the ugliness of where it comes from and how uh, gripping it is on someone who really struggles with that. They just can't let go of it because uh, they feel like they're letting go part of them, something that matters to them, something that is, uh, that is a, a life connection uh, to them. In many ways, this, this rich man's response, though, and how he deals with this uh, plentiful uh, crop is impressive. Maybe lacking uh, spiritually, but there's, there's a lot of practical uh, wisdom. One of the commentators uh, put it, he has a good mind for agribusiness, uh, things I wouldn't have, have thought of. Um, it shows a lot of wisdom and foresight and planning and strategy because he's got this big bumper crop one year, right? But he doesn't just say, well, great, I've got some for me and I'll sell more out there for other people uh, that need some. He goes, wait, I've got a big bumper crop this year. Uh, and the prices, the prices for this are probably going to be lower because there's a higher supply and the same amount of demand. So I'm not going to sell my crop for, um, for a lower market price. I'm going to save it. What's he going to do with it if he's not going sell it, to sell it then? Well, he's got to have some place to put it, but he, his, his barns, uh, the things he stores it in now are already full. Well, he could just build more places to store it, uh, but again, he's wise. He's like, wait, if I take up however many uh, you know, um, uh, acres of land or square footage for building another building, that's that much land that I can't grow uh, next year's crop out of. Uh, so he tears down the old one in order to big up, uh, build up uh, bigger ones, uh, to be able to save uh, more, to hold on to it for when it can fetch a higher price. There's a sense where he's showing some long-term strategy, uh, some planning, Uh, enough so that he begins to feel confident, that he begins to say to himself, I think things are okay. I'm not just day to day or year to year uh, anymore. I've got an ample goods laid up for many years. I can relax. I can celebrate. I can party. I can live it up. I'm enjoying the good life uh, now. I can eat, uh, drink, and be merry. Uh, Now, I think there's plenty of ways where we try to store up life for ourselves. They probably don't look like tearing down barns and putting up bigger barns because you had a field that grew a lot of uh, crops. Uh, Maybe it looks like market investments and all these things. Uh, For I think a lot of us, it probably looks different. Um, But there's still ways with all kinds of covetousness where we want more and we try to get more and we try to hold it all together. Uh, Maybe that's just trying to experience it all. Um, you're young right now. You've got the freedom to go and, like, travel on the weekends and go do things uh, and run after experiences that maybe later uh, you won't really have the opportunity to do. I feel like you've got to get into all that and hold it all together because now is the time and later uh, won't be there. You've got to uh, have it and hold on to it. Uh, maybe try to store up a life in the intellectual uh, route. Storing up knowledge. More and more that you can gain and learn. Maybe it's in your particular field. Maybe it's just in life in general and and books you can read and clever quotes that you can interject in the conversations that make you seem like you're the one who has it together, that you know things, uh, that you're on top of it. And we try to store up that knowledge as being the thing that gives us life. How do we draw out of it? We can say, wait, now... Now I've got my degree. Now I've got my Ph.D. degree. Now I can address, speak back to those professors or look down to other people because I know what this is. Try to store up the knowledge. Could be friends that you try to store up. Um, Needing everyone to continue uh, to like you, connect in with you. Uh, maybe, Maybe you check the number of friends that it says on Facebook. Uh, And you want to always see that number going up. And if you see that someone's dropped you somewhere on Facebook, it it hurts. Because you feel like you need uh, to hold on to those things. It's just simple things like entertainment. Uh, They're great to Relax and enjoy, and eat, and drink, and be merry. Uh, Maybe it's the music library that you just keep pulling more and more songs that you like, or maybe it's just uh, the amount of time that you stream uh, watching or listening to stuff that you like. But you want to hold on to it. You want to have more of it, and more of it to feel satisfied. Uh, Maybe you don't uh, build barns, but it is stores uh, that you go to. That are, that are holding it all for you. And maybe if they don't have it on the floor, you can ask them if they have it in the back and they can bring it in. Or next week on the truck, there'll be more there. And they keep the best and the latest our styles stored up for you. So you can come again. So you can continue to satisfy that craving for, for more, for something else. Continue to hold on to it. <clears throat> it can even be things like family, which is Good. Uh, Or a specific relationship that's really important to you. And we want to share everything in it. And we feel like uh, having that is what makes things be able to keep going. Uh, Maybe uh, for some it's women or it's it's sexual experiences uh, that you crave for more and more. Maybe on the other hand it's responsibility. Success. Um, achievements awards and recognition that when you get those accolades it feels right it feels good it feels life and you want to hold on to it because this is what matters this is what makes you okay or maybe it's maybe it is money maybe it's stuff maybe it's all the things that money can buy and, and whether we have it, whether we can have it, or whether we just uh, wish that we could have more and more of it and store it up, can you see that the covetousness is there? What Jesus tells us to watch out for and guard ourselves against is those desires to have more and more of it to, to hold on to, to find our life in it. That covetousness that is idolatry. What are you storing up for yourself? Those things I mentioned are things that I didn't. What are you looking for for life uh, from it? What lets you feel to feel like you can say to yourself, "It's okay now. I can relax now. These people are good with me. I can relax now. My bank accounts at this point, I can relax now. I got uh, through uh, these difficulties now. Uh, now I can just hold on uh, to this moment. Say I'm well prepared for the future. I can enjoy it. I can I can live it up a little." What the parable is bringing out is that our best efforts aren't enough to store up uh, life for ourselves because we don't have life uh, from ourselves. We don't have life from other people, uh, and stuff doesn't give uh, life. God God alone uh, is the Lord and giver of life. He gives it freely to all who ask uh, from him. He wants us to look to him, not just to the things that he's given. Uh, the rich man in the parable, you see him just talking to himself. As he goes about this, as he enjoys it, as he wonders what to do with it and how to do it in the future, he just uh, discusses it with himself. What you see is no relationship with God, uh, no connection. It's absent. Too often our plans and our desires are made uh, without God, made by ourselves and made uh, for ourselves. And our Best efforts at storing up life for ourselves is always ins- insufficient. Um, because if nothing else, as in this story, uh, there's death at the end of the road. Plentiful life, storing life, and thirdly, losing life. Uh, the prospect the parable ends on is of this man who started off so well with his bumper crop. Uh, Being about to lose his life, and if you if you really like draw yourself into the story to hear it as a story, not just what what happens here, there's it's it's well told. It's interesting. It's dramatic because the language of the parable, if you notice, that doesn't record the man's death, does it? Um. So you relate to him in that moment uh, in this night when God begins to speak to him. God, who's been missing from the rest of the story, uh, now his voice is heard. And as God calls him full, we feel the, the despair, the shame, the failure. Or we get the pain and the dread as God's voice speaks. This night, your soul is required or we connect with the futility uh, of what he's he's done, the emptiness, uh, as God asks, the things that you have have prepared, whose will they be? What's the point of all of it? And it leaves us, if we've engaged in the story, it leaves us uh, wondering about the rich man's last moments, last thoughts of his last uh, night on earth, what what new clarity maybe hits or should hit that he is not prepared well, that he'd not planned well or stored well or lived well. Instead uh, the life that he was living, uh, he's now losing and losing completely. And it's devastating. Right, Death, uh, losing life is one of those things that we prefer not to contemplate. I prefer to escape from and avoid uh, thinking about it. it's painful. That's scary. Uh, Earlier this week, um, Facebook told me it was the birthday of a girl who had been in RUF uh, several years before, uh, and last year uh, died in a car crash. Today saw some other posts uh, of her, and maybe there's even a um, plaque on campus with her name, I think a tree uh, planted there or something. Uh, I'd rather not think think that. I think that those days could be ahead. Uh, Because that prospect of of losing life reminds us of our inability to hold on to it ourselves. It's beyond our control. It's beyond our realm to to fix or change. And it forces us to reflect on what we're preparing for, what we're planning for, what we're living for, what matters uh, and what lasts. listen, Jesus, as he tells uh, this parable, was very aware of its warning. Uh, he's telling that warning uh, to the crowd. He goes on to say more to the disciples, but he was very aware of its warning uh, for himself. And he was very aware of his own future. Uh, that Jesus was there and speaking uh, because he was going uh, to lose his life. But not as a fool. Not as unprepared. Uh, not without being rich uh, toward God. Uh, not with God asking the rhetorical questions, the things that you are prepared, whose will they be? Uh, with the words that God had already spoken about him, this is my beloved son whom I love. And Jesus was giving up his life uh, in sacrifice because it's death that's required even for our covetousness. Well, the Ten Commandments, even, even the big ones uh, in the law of God, uh, and the wages of sin, of breaking God's law, uh, is death. It's death that was required uh, for, for our wrong desires. But Jesus gave up his life uh, in sacrifice. He suffered as a substitute for those who cannot gain life themselves, who cannot hold on to life themselves. He suffered as a way of rescue uh, for, for us as we've tried to find life elsewhere and apart from God and rebellion against him. Uh, but for Christ, as our victor, uh, death wasn't able to hold him down. Uh, scripture says God uh, raised him up to new life and to life uh, eternal. And in Christ, uh, in, in the gospel in Christ, what we see is the reversal that turns this entire parable on its head. Because It's kind of a sobering, uh, somber parable. Uh, but in the gospel, they're celebrating uh, and rejoicing. Uh, Jesus, as raised from the dead, becomes not only alive after death, but he becomes, uh, he becomes the giver of life. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians 15 talks about it as the, the first man, Adam, became the living uh, being, but the last, Adam, Christ, became a life-giving uh, spirit he, he's able to give life and give life that can't be lost so it means when it says eternal life uh, at last uh, death doesn't uh, end it uh, there's victory uh, passive the sting of death that's taken away uh, and fullness of life comes on the other end as christ returns uh, raises us up to new bodies a uh, new life uh, that we share with him But he gives even now uh, the spirit as the first fruits or the first uh, portion of the crop of fullness of life. The fullness of life that Christ has, the life of God in him, the spirit of God. He pours out on his followers who had called him and say, I need the life that you give, not just the life that I can bring out of myself or gain from the things around me. Book of plentiful life and storing life and losing life, but in Christ losing uh, his life for us and being raised, he's gained the fullness of the store of life and gives it out uh, fully. Jesus has stored, has life stored up and waiting, reserved uh, in plentiful abundance and in unending uh, fullness. Uh, Jesus has the good life and he invites us into it, into sharing in it with him through faith. Uh, The fullness stored up that can never be lost. So the parable is unsettling, but the gospel gives security and hope as we hear the warning of it. What do you see as the good life? Uh, What do you want more and more of? just maybe what's the right answer to that question, but when you look at how you live, what are the things that you want more of and that you are trying to get? How do you try to get it and try to hold on to those things? Feel desperate to be able to keep them. In the gospel, Jesus has acquired life in its fullness for us. And we hold on to it very simply by faith. By relying on Him, by finding life in Him. So Jesus tells the story, and he, he warns us to take care, be watchful, be on your guard, uh, though, against all covetousness, all desires to find life apart from God. Uh, the parable is told, as we said, because there's a squabble between two brothers over an inheritance. Um, and if you want some evidence, as you try to look in your life and say, what are those, what are those things where maybe I'm trying to find life in something else? Um, here's a tip. Go look and see whether some of those arguments and squabbles happen. What are those things that you're not willing to let go of, that you're willing to argue and press and go into because that mattered? And maybe it wasn't like that the, where the thermostat was set or what time your roommate actually came in, but it was the respect that you feel like you deserve from them and that was where you wanted to stand on. That was your your life or whatever it is. Most of our arguments, the strife, the division, uh, still comes over placing too much importance on things that don't give life. Uh, When Jesus has given it fully, freely, abundantly, that we can share in it and share in it together uh, and in love and humility and sacrifice for one another. so much more in this chapter that I would really encourage you to go on to read because this parable is what Jesus told to the crowds. As they listened, as this man had spoken up and told Jesus that he needed to give him uh, his, his right, his due of the inheritance, uh, Jesus addresses this parable to the whole of the crowd, but then he goes on to speak to his disciples. Uh, and to his disciples, to the followers of Jesus, he has words of, of comfort, uh, that there's, there's hope, There's freedom. There's freedom to live fully, freedom to enjoy it without anxiety. When you feel like you have, when you feel like you don't have, Uh, whether it's clothes on your back, uh, food to eat for the day, roof over your head, job or future or friends that care about you enough, something to do that feels uh, worthwhile or enough knowledge or whatever things. There's freedom to live fully and enjoy it without uh, anxieties, uh, even over the most basic needs of survival. There's freedom to seek his kingdom, uh, trusting that all these things will be added to it, that he gives life and gives it fully. because life doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff. Life comes from the love of God that he has given in Christ.